Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host, Grace Goller. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another week of Navigating the Cancer Maze. And this week, we're continuing our theme of talking about colon cancer solutions. Um, this uh, week also, we're going to have a guest in the second segment of the show who is a supporter of someone who's actually going through colon cancer at the moment and treatment for liver secondaries. Now, in looking at the, uh, the more practical side today, it's worthwhile just having a little look at the figures. And I know a lot of people don't like statistics, but I think it's really important to know uh, where we are on the timeline of the different kinds of cancers. Now, in Australia, we actually know that colorectal cancer, um, and there is cancer of the colon and there's cancer of the rectum, but we sort of lump those together um, in the one kind of uh, area. So it's actually the second most common cancer. And we've looked over the past few weeks at ways that we can deal with precancerous situations, improve colon health, and just generally be a bit more conscious about what we're eating because this is a cancer that actually is highly preventable in many, many people. So uh, approximately 14,000 new cases are diagnosed each year in Australia. And in the US, it's the third most common cancer. And according to the American Cancer Society, there's an estimate for a 2013 that the approximate stats will be 102,480 new cases of colon cancer. There will be 40,340 new cases of rectal cancer and unfortunately from people who have been diagnosed with it. And I hasten to say at often a very late stage because if colon cancer is caught early, um, it is actually one of the uh, cancers that can be treated very, very well these days. It's often that when things have been left or if you've just been too late in getting to the doctor that the cancer can actually spread um, via cells that go out from that original tumour. So the the harder it is to, to treat, uh, the longer it's been there. Um, so that's something that I think is very important for um, us to consider I think having um, a colonoscopy, uh, especially in the, if the, you're in the high uh, bracket there where you may be susceptible, as we had with Angela a few weeks ago with her polyposis. And actually, uh, this week in my practice, uh, we had uh, several people coming through, both in the inquiries online, plus actually uh, in the practice where I see folks one-on-one, a number of people with these colorectal cancers. It's, it's interesting how when I do programs on this, and it doesn't correlate with people that have listened to the program, but uh, I find that I get a lot of people coming along with whatever we're talking about um, in the moment. So I had a gentleman who came with his wife this week 
and he'd been diagnosed with one large polyp. It was a very large one and he'd had colon surgery and unfortunately it had metastasized by the time it was found and uh, it's now in his liver. However, he told me a really, really wonderful story and he said that when he was diagnosed, he put the word out through his community. Um, he is uh, from an ethnic community and he encouraged people, including the fellow who'd been the best man at his wedding to actually go off and have a colonoscopy and it turned out that that man had colon cancer that he didn't know. Um, all the people in the community actually did uh, colonoscopies and uh, found that there was actually a relatively high rate of uh, precancerous polyps and uh, already diagnosable colon cancer. And that is a fantastic influence from one patient who has gone out into the community. Uh, so I'd really, really encourage a lot more awareness um, and don't be afraid of going off and getting checked. Those hemorrhoids that have been bugging you may not be hemorrhoids. And I think it just gives you such peace of mind if you can go along and, and get your situation checked. So today on The Maze, we're, um, we're going to actually explore what patients can do when they're diagnosed with a colorectal cancer. Um, we're going to look at what you can ask your medical practitioners uh, if you're diagnosed. And we're also going to look in the, uh, the last two segments of the show about targeted and personalised treatments for both primary colorectal cancer and secondary. And we're going to look at the more obscure treatments that are available because many people out there who have been treated with your usual chemotherapy and surgery and other follow-up drugs um, may be in a situation where they don't need to follow through with looking outside the box as we say, for more treatments. However, if you're one of those people that's fallen through the net already um, and you may even have a, a poor prognosis uh, with your um, colon cancer, uh, I think that's the area where we can really help you and uh, suggest some treatments that you could inquire about with your medical practitioners or indeed, if you're up for it, looking at solutions overseas in Germany, which is what a guest in the next uh, segment actually did with her husband. Um, so, about lots of practical tips today. Um, I would like to now explore our first question of what patients can do when diagnosed with a colorectal cancer. Now, it's a little bit like many of the other cancers as we've talked about on the show. However, this is a particularly um, intrusive, invasive kind of a cancer. Now, I think from point one, as we've said before, it's imperative to deal with the trauma of a cancer situation. It may not be discussed with your doctor, but it's well established by psychological researchers um, in the field that this particular time of diagnosis is really, really crucial. So from my experience now of having been in almost 40 years in this work, I really see that somehow the tone is set at that point, at that diagnosis day, diagnosis point. It dictates really how you're going to program yourself, you know, how you're going to set up your coping skills to deal with the diagnosis and then whatever follows on from that. So it's a really, really important time at the hospital. Find someone to talk with. Um, 
talk with a hospital counsellor, get involved with a buddy group, a volunteer group in the hospital, someone who's got experience in what you are going through and what you might be about to go through. Unfortunately, um, patients often find it really difficult to discuss their fears and um, the, the after the shock of the cancer diagnosis, you know, it's really close to them. Um, as time goes by, um, the shock starts to become more of a reality and in fact, from my experience, it actually becomes an obstacle towards recovery. So many patients have described this time to me over the years. They've said like it was suddenly behind, um, I was if I was behind the looking glass, you know, there was a barrier. The doctor's words began to sound blurred. I tuned out. These are actually the first signs of what we call PTSD. Um, and look, it's a real and it's a necessary part of anyone's survival journey. But it's meant to be kind of short-lived and enable you to be a little bit um, proactive towards helping something uh, towards your survival. And that may be the choices that you're going to make at the time. Um, you know, every aspect of dealing with the colorectal cancer is spells trauma. There's surgery, there's the possibility of a colostomy. Um, there's so many things that need your attention. And it's so, so personal. Um, no one can do this phase of the cancer diagnosis experience for you. Uh, not a counsellor, not a spouse, no one. It's very, very personal. Um, I think it helps to talk with people who have had some experience of trauma. So if you're uh, sitting there this afternoon, um, tonight, whenever, and uh, you're reading a book and you read the end of the page and you think, oh, what was that page about that I read? Either you're very tired or you could be still experiencing some of the effects of this post-traumatic effect. I think it's important just to be aware that it exists and that it's a normal reaction when your survival's threatened. Um, I think uh, knowing about it, it doesn't mean you have to conquer it. There's a lot of conquering and fighting and so forth has become attached to the word uh, getting through cancer. Um, so I think there's a lot about just being conscious of the experience rather than burying it. I think it's a really, really good start. And I see this um, deteriorate a bit when patients who are traumatised actually adopt a positive thinking approach. It's great to have a good attitude towards dealing with your cancer, but please, please be aware of that overly positive thinking approach. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to beat it. And you keep the side up and bolster up everybody else around you. So many patients I see put on a happy face and... Um, Often if I talk to them aside from their spouse or their friend or their children who have come in with them, they actually open up to some of the more real issues. Um, so it's all very well to uh, have possibility thinking, but, yeah, I'd caution you against um, the, the false positive thinking concept because it really clouds over what's really going on for a patient. And even for a, a, an oncologist, he could think that you're coping just fine if you go in there and you say, yes, doc, I'm doing great. Uh, got any pain? No, coping well. But the reality might be quite different. And this is really important when you're dealing with something like colorectal cancer because, as I said before, this is a very, very invasive cancer. And, uh, you know, it's going to below change your body image. It's likely to change your lifestyle, your diet, uh, can change your relationships, your sexuality. It's 
more than any other cancer, this is a very, very invasive um, one into our, our very life. So uh, my advice is as soon as possible after your diagnosis, and this has to be the number one calling point for me, you've got to ask your doctor to refer you to someone who deals in the area of cancer diagnosis and trauma. There's a whole group of us out there around the world who belong to a body called the International Association for Psycho-Oncology. And um, we're people who have uh, trained in specific fields of this area to assist patients. Most hospitals will be able to point you in the direction. I think where a lot of people get into trouble with dealing with colorectal or any other cancer is that when they're in this traumatized state, they go off in like a billiard ball into a hundred different directions, trying to do a hundred different things and get themselves stressed while trying to de-stress. And um, that's not a very positive thing to do for yourself. Um, it's not really a good part of self-care. And it really makes any trauma that's hanging around from the diagnosis far, far more intensive to deal with. The second thing is be sure to make a plan. Um, I think be flexible with your plan, but make it like a business plan, a plan for your health restoration, I call it. Um, this is a really, really helpful uh, thing to bring into your um, your whole walkway, actually, into dealing with cancer. Um, I think it's important to write your plan up, put it in a place where you can review it regularly and even pop it in a journal because it gives you some kind of direction. The mind likes some direction as to where it's going. So the more you can pull in and be focused on what you're doing, the better. Now, we're going to uh, cross to my interview in a moment with Cheryl, whose husband's Joe is going through the process of metastatic colon cancer to his liver and uh, they're very very proactive people and uh, we'll be back in a moment after a short break on navigating the maze and we will be talking with Cheryl don't go away life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvung Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.holvung-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. 
The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Gray Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at grayscholar.com or visit their website at grayscholarinstitute.com. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Scholar from the Grace Scholar Institute as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Scholar Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracescholarinstitute.com or email institute at gracescholar.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Gawler. And as you know, on Navigating the Maze, we present information that encourages and empowers cancer patients and their partners to look outside of the box for treatments that can extend life. So as you know, also, we don't give direct advice, but a show like this does give you the opportunity to find options and make choices and to be able to look in the right direction. And in today's show, I will be interviewing Cheryl in a couple of minutes. And Cheryl and Joe have been on the journey of cancer, in fact, colon cancer with liver metastases. Cheryl's husband, Joe, has been going through this, and I'm going to invite her in just a moment to share her story on navigating the cancer maze and also to share some of the solutions that they've found. So welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze, Cheryl. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, you've got quite a story to tell. Could you share with our listeners something about that story and how in assisting your husband um, that you've uh, moved along in in his recovery path? And uh, if you could tell us about the journey from colon cancer to metastatic cancer. Sure. Um, well, Joe's brother was diagnosed with cancer in July with bowel cancer and we sort of thought, well, perhaps, you know, Joe should have a colonoscopy, which we did, and unfortunately they found bowel cancer with Joe. Um, so they did the scan and then that showed up that he had liver metastases. Um, they did the operation in September 2012 to remove the bowel cancer, but unfortunately they couldn't do anything for the liver, which he had about 25 tumours in his liver. 
Um, I started to Google some therapies and came across hypothermia and then taste and then went back to our oncologist and spoke to her about, you know, what we could do. But unfortunately, she wasn't that excited about us going overseas. And with that saying to us, she um, said that if we go over there and anything overseas doesn't work for Joe, that she may not be able to help us when we come back. So we just sort of stuck with conventional chemotherapy. And that sort of went on for about um, six rounds of chemotherapy. And on the sixth round, I said to Joe that, you know, we have to do something else. So I started to Google again. So it sort of went from there. So that's the very positive side of Google. Google's got negative sides, but again, if you use it correctly, it can really give you options. Sure, sure. So um, when you sort of began looking outside the box, um, what were the actual things that were enticing to yourself and, and Joe that was offered uh, overseas, say in Germany, and, and not here? Well, as I said, when I Googled, um, came up with the hypothermia and taste, I sort of didn't know anything about hypothermia or taste. And that also led me to um, a book that I downloaded, which was called German Cancer Breakthrough, and by um, Andrew Scholberg. And in that, he listed that there was clinics in Germany. So that sort of led me to downloading the book, reading that. Within the book, I found that these 10 clinics offered the hypothermia and then taste. And at the end of the book, he says, you know, by the end of this book, you'll find that there'll probably be three of these clinics that you may be interested in. You'll go from there. Which we um, thought, well, we have to try that because I could see that the chemotherapy was going to kill Joe before the cancer was killed Joe. So we had to do something other than just systemic chemotherapy. And so, what was Joe dealing with at that time, Cheryl? Sorry? What was Joe actually dealing with at that time? How many uh, tumours did he have in his liver? which was really good, he got rid of uh, 23 of the tumours. They said that they couldn't um, reset because he was stage 4. Um, so we went over to Germany with two tumours, two, one which was right on the portal vein of the um, liver, which was, you know, there's no way he could have had an operation with that anyway. Um, yeah, so it was just that we could see that the chemotherapy, systemic chemotherapy wasn't going to do him any good. Mm, so when you uh, when you got to Germany, uh, now you would have had a genetic test done for, for Joe. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that and, and how that influenced his treatment? Well, um, we, we got the blood test organised through RGCC, which um, you know that you were very helpful in organising that first hard part for us, which it was a hard part. Um, we had the test drawn here in Melbourne and the blood was sent over to Greece, uh, GCC. They did the, um, I think it was 50 vials of uh, chemotherapy with Joe's blood and in testing all that, um, came up with the most sensitive chemotherapy that would be good for him. Unfortunately, two of the three that they, that he tested for, he had already had here in Melbourne, which in a way, that was good for us because that's obviously what got rid of, say, the 22 tumours. Um, they also did testing for botanicals, you know, that um, would be more suitable for him. 
that then came back and we sent that, or that was sent over to the clinic in Germany and from there we just sort of trotted over and our journey began. And uh, what were the sorts of treatments that uh, Joe had? Uh, what do you feel may perhaps even helped him the most out of that kind of smorgasbord of uh, treatments? Well, the treatments that he's had was, I think, probably the most of the immune therapy, which was building up his immune system to cope with the chemotherapy, along with he had taste treatment, which is straight into his liver, the chemotherapy straight into his liver. Um, he had Removab and he also had the hypothermia. I think they're all obviously working together, but feel that his immune system, by having his immune system right up there, he's going to be able to cope with all these other poisons and toxins that they're putting into his body. Mm. Um, when you were actually in Germany and you attended the Halvan Clinic and we've had um, actually Gizzy's been on this program, the uh, hypothermia expert. Um, now, when you were actually going through these treatments at the at the clinic, uh, what sort of was happening on a daily basis, and and how was it for you there as as a supporting partner? Well, going from say doing systemic chemotherapy here and sort of being told, "Oh, sorry, you can't sit in the room. There's not enough room here," while Joe was having his chemotherapy, that was pretty heart wrenching. When you go over there, it's like oh, you're very special. You're the only one there at the time. Everything that you want is answered for you in a day. Um, the day sort of starts off with going to the dining room. It's like a cruise ship having your breakfast. <laughs> there, they'll go over to the infusion room. Joe's there for about two to four hours. It all depends on what sort of um, infusions that he's having. You can ask any questions and they will be answered that day, if not the day after. Um, as opposed to here where it would take us a week if not two weeks to get an answer and we can't even speak to our doctors here we have to go through the nursing, the oncology nursing which really gets very frustrating when you need an answer straight away um, Joe would have his hypothermia it's sort of like a day treatment he'll be in there for a few hours and then he'll have to rest he would have Removab which is the same sort of um, a day and it takes him a couple of days to get over it it's not like, say, when you're over here and he's had his chemotherapy where he's feeling sick and tired and weak. They're giving him nothing else except for the poison. Whereas over there, they're giving him things for his immune system to build him up. And they are, they're just amazing people. You feel so special there. So for you as a supporting um, partner there, obviously uh, you probably made friends with some other supporting partners. Um, how was the experience for you, in, in like psychologically, emotionally, being put into that kind of environment uh, from what you had experienced in uh, back in your own uh, home country? Well, at first it was, you know, very daunting. Um, I, I sort of thought, you know, our life's changed and what are we going to do? But sort of being a bit of a Google queen, put on there straight away and started doing the Google things, the, the support that you have to give to your partner is probably, I don't know, there's nothing else like it. It's, it's totally different. You're sort of there for them 24-7. Um, it's tiring, but you've got to do it. They're the ones that are sick. You've got to do the help support for them. And being at Hellbang, um, we've made so many friends there. And, I mean, I've never did Facebook before I went to Hellbang. I'm, the only Facebook I have is the people from Hellbang, which is the nurses, the doctors, um, the patients, 
and also their support people. So you've got lots of community, you feel safe with them, you can always just send an email, they'll answer you back straight away. In Australia they don't and that's where you need that support, the one-on-one support. It makes you feel special, you really do. Mm. Yeah, so you've had a good experience. How is Joe now? How many times have you been to the clinic and, and how is he now in current time? We went over there in June for three weeks um, and then we went back again in September for two weeks where we think that we'll have to go back again probably late January. Joe's going to have some scans um, in the middle of January, his test scan to see what's happening. His health is, is amazing. He hasn't looked better in all the time that I have known and been married to Joe. Um, his colour is really good. We're now hoping to go back to have the dendritic cell vaccine, which I'm having organised with um, Dr Coppich at the moment. But, yeah, I, I can't say that enough that Joe just looks amazing. He really does. So has he had any scans in this in-between period or is this going to be the big one? No, it'll be this big one which is on probably around the 20th of January he will have his PET scan and just see where he's at and see what he has to have when we go back again. Fantastic. I'm really very grateful for you to, uh, for sharing this experience today. Um, so many people are out there and are in need of help and uh, we'll be uploading some information onto my blog which is gracegallermedia.com as a follow-up from today's show. And uh, Cheryl, I'd really like to thank you very much. And also uh, Joe, of course, who's not on the show today. I think he had a tooth extraction yesterday. Very good, the poor love. <laughs> so uh, his thanks too for um, you know allowing you to come and share this story today. Thanks, Greg. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Bye. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options in implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are, and whoever you are, to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegoller.com. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. 
Holvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-743-964240. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Hi, we're back on Navigating the Cancer Maze and I'd like to thank Cheryl for her uh, participation in that last session. We'll let you know how Joe goes. We'll follow that story along and uh, hopefully we'll have some good news for you like we've had with many other patients this year who have been treated with liver metastases um, in Germany. It seems like that is one of the, uh, the skills that they really do bring to the forefront and we'll be talking about some of the treatments that uh, Cheryl mentioned um, throughout the next segment of the show and a little bit towards the end of this segment. Just also like to uh, give a little reminder for those of you out there who are supporting someone through the cancer experience and I think the colorectal cancer experience particularly can be very difficult when a partner maybe has a colostomy or an ileostomy and there's a huge, huge lot of uh, change going on for them um, and you know you're there as a supporting partner it's really really important for you to uh, seek help it was good to hear Cheryl say that she sought help through friends that she met um, at the clinic and support it doesn't need to be advice it actually is helpful to just have that someone who can lend a compassionate and listening ear and really understand what it is that you're going through as a couple or as a family I think self-care for people that are carers um, is absolutely essential because carer burnout is a well-recognised symptom. So if you feel like you might be getting a little bit uh, titchy and a little bit towards the burnout, just recognise that something like talking to a friend, um, going to a a massage, uh, taking yourself out of the environment from time to time can actually really help you to cope. I've been a carer myself of someone diagnosed with a terminal illness and uh, who had a leg amputated back in the 70s and so I've, I've appreciated that role as well um, as a carer as well as a practitioner and uh, as well as a health professional. Um, 
Talking of Cheryl, now Cheryl's someone who's kept meticulous records and uh, Joe's very lucky in that regard. He hasn't, uh, you know, had a, uh, a problem with getting all of that uh, material together that's so important for anybody seeking an option, whether it's in your home country or whether it's overseas. So very, very important to collate, um, to access, to get hold of. Uh, all your medical records because they're very, very relevant to you. If you go to an overseas country, particularly where English is not the first language, it's very important that you've got written summaries and that you um, collate your material in terms of dates with tests with scan results. Uh, many of the people that come to me, unfortunately, either haven't been given or have been refused if they've asked for their um, medical reports or copies of them. Um, there are various laws in places, but I believe it is a very strong patient right for you to have those records because they dictate how you're going to be able to plan um, navigating the cancer maze, especially should things not turn out so well if your prognosis becomes a poor one from previously being a good one and you need to look in other places to find a solution. So I just wanted to touch also briefly on asking medical practitioners um, about uh, treatments for colorectal cancer. You know, I have a lot of friends who are medical practitioners and they relate to me that they really love it when they have patients that are involved in their treatment uh, regimens. Um, I think quite often patients hang back, they're a bit overwhelmed, they may even be traumatised uh, from the whole experience and the diagnosis um, and they tend not to ask a lot of questions. So point one, you've got to ask lots of questions on this one and be sure to get answers that satisfy you. Ask again and again and again if necessary or ask to be referred to someone else who can answer those questions for you. The answers to questions, of course, are going to help you also to navigate the cancer maze, especially the colorectal cancer maze. Uh, request the doctors draw diagrams and that they explain the images that you see on scans. I've had patients absolutely petrified because they've looked on their scan and they've seen something and thought it was the tumour didn't say anything and stayed in total stress until they came for an appointment and we discovered what the stress was about. So very important that you ask them, please explain, tell me what I'm dealing with, tell me what I'm looking at and tell me what I can expect. Um, don't be put off or brushed aside. Sometimes you might have to stand your ground. Sometimes you might have to change your doctor if you've got someone who's too busy to actually spend time with you. Um, it's important that you work as a partnership and I think it's important that you ask whether or not this doctor is comfortable with you doing complementary medicine, especially if you bring that type of medicine to them and say, look, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm taking, are you happy with that? As we've talked about on the show before, there are some complementary medicines that are contraindicated. So it's really important that communication is good and um, that you're disclosive with your oncologist and your key treating health professionals. It's important to ask them to be honest with you and to deliver any information to you with compassion. I think this often needs to be stated. It gets really forgotten. Um, after hours assistance, what do you do if you need some? And I think get them really involved with your health restoration plan. So having uh, said all that, it brings us to now talking about some of the actual treatments. 
um, what's new in terms of uh, treating colorectal cancer. So there's a lot of things that are out there in terms of the new genetics and molecular medicine that many people, not only the German clinics are using, but these are now creeping in to the mainstream systems and they are certainly right up there in the research areas. So people are understanding more and more what controls cancer, what provides the signals for cancer to grow, what are the receptors on a cancer cell that actually can either promote or be locked up in, in causing a cancer to uh, either be promoted or to regress. So this understanding is bringing us into this whole new area and it's what we call um, at our institute the new culture of survivorship because it, uh, it will expen extend, it does extend people's lives by actually knowing more information about the behaviour of the cancer. And the new molecular and genetic medicine is certainly the way into that Patients are now understanding, well, I've got secondary cancer in my liver. How did it get there? Um, there's a lot of information around on even on Google, on Wikipedia, where you can find this out. Um, colorectal cancer, particularly the lower down part of the colon, um, and the whole colon itself indeed, but some it's more concentrated, has a direct uh, blood supply that goes into the liver. So when you have your initial cancer, um, there are little seeds that have gone out from that cancer and they motor around the body and they may find a home, they may be killed. Some of them will have stem cell-like qualities and some of those do have the ability to reproduce themselves. So another message here is as soon after you have your, um, your colorectal cancer taken care of and you're all clear, there's a watch and wait period. Be proactive in that watch and wait period because there's a lot that you can actually contribute um, into avoiding a recurrence of that cancer. There's no guarantees, but there are a lot of things that you can do. Um, and if you want to know more about that, you can write to me. I'll also be putting some things up on grayschoolermedia.com after the show today. Um, I... Think for people who have already got a colorectal cancer that has metastasized to the liver, there's an amazing array of the new medicines that are available. Now, across the world, you can find targeted medicines. Um, targeted means that it's based on these markers that we've just talked about. The next wave on from that is personalized medicine. And this is what Cheryl was talking about with the Halvan Clinic in Germany, which is one of the clinics that uh, I personally support because over a 40-year period, um, I've been working with them now in, uh, in association for three years. And I am so impressed with the amount and the quality and the innovativeness of the treatments that they are presenting to cancer patients, not in a linear fashion, but in a really multifocal fashion. And uh, that means for patients, they've got the very best opportunity of knocking the cancer back just that little bit, maybe even partial remission. And in some cases, remission has been achieved. You can go back to your own country and then you can follow on with um, anything that you need to do back there. So we've come to another break in navigating the cancer maze. And... Uh, I'm going to come back and we'll be talking about the individual treatments in the last segment of the show. Don't go away.
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Scholar Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollarinstitute.com or email institute at gracegollar.com. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvung Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options in implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back. Um, in this segment, I'm going to be discussing with you what to do if you actually have secondary colorectal cancer. Uh, for people uh, often early in diagnosis, there is a solution. You'll find that the cure rate is getting higher and higher of people going past the five-year survival mark. If you happen to be one of those people that's fallen through the net, uh, for instance, in Joe's case, we heard from Cheryl in the, in the uh, second segment of the show, um, when he was diagnosed, he already had metastases. So um, that puts you in a whole other bracket 
of uh, long-term survival options. And I think that's the time to start at least looking outside the box. Even if you don't do anything about it for a while, do some research and find out what's available. Uh, if you have colorectal cancer um, that's metastasized, whether it's to liver or to lungs or to some other place, um, it's also important to ask your oncologist, you know, how can I monitor this cancer best? Are tumor markers going to be enough? Um, should I have a PET scan? Should I have a PET CT scan? Should I have an MRI? Um, should I have a CT? How often should I have those? Very crucial questions because um, constant monitoring is really another one of the keys of long-term survival because when you know what you're dealing with, you're not doing the watch and wait and you can therefore make good decisions based on um, what's been found on your scans. Um, if you understand how cancer works, if you understand how it metastasizes, that it's not just one isolated thing that's dropped in one day, that it actually does have a bit of a life itself, I think understanding how it works gives you a, a lot of empowerment towards also looking for solutions. Um, you don't want to go too much into the nitty-gritty of that. And I think just a really basic understanding is really good. Uh, we've talked uh, today with Cheryl who mentioned uh, the targeted medicine. Um, Joe had chemotherapy, of course, that uh, was specific to target his liver secondaries. However, some slipped through the net and you got a couple of uh, little tumours there that are resistant to treatment and that's why they chose the German approach. Um, now, there are ways of uh, getting tests done, and we've spoken on the show before with Dr. Yanis Papasatiriou from RGCC in Greece. They do have a branch in the USA. They've got worldwide branches, in fact. And this group is really pretty much ahead of the game in looking at um, how molecular and genetic medicine can actually be used as a uh, another diagnostic tool added with the others that we've mentioned to to help you navigate the cancer maze when you're dealing with secondary cancer. Uh, there's a lot of information that can come from that test and a lot of those markers that I talked about earlier can actually be identified. Um, dendritic cell therapy is something that Cheryl mentioned. Again, that's been done around the world, but only in specific areas. In Germany, you find pockets of doctors who are using this way of harvesting cells from the body and turning those cells into immune fighters, if you like, and then infusing them back into the body, sometimes with markers that enable the dendritic cells or the white cells to actually target and attack the cancer. So immune therapies are very, very big um, in Germany and really helpful. Not suitable uh, for all cases, so it's done on a personalised medicine basis. Uh, Removab. Uh, was mentioned. Now, Removab is a tri-functional antibody and it is used for specific markers and specific tumours. So, uh, for instance, most of the cancers that you would see from the colon are adenocarcinomas. Now, Removab was first used for ovarian cancer and the fluid that builds up in the tummy when people have uh, ovarian cancer or indeed from liver cancer. Um, so, it's moved through and on and it's been found that it's very effective for immune stimulation and almost having a vaccination effect. And I say almost, it actually does have a vaccination effect um, 
on the body to actually enhance the immune system to recognize the cancer cells and destroy them. And remember, it's not only uh, the immune system being a bit low or not working. Cancer cells are clever and they can hide themselves. Um, this particular tri-functional antibody helps to expose um, the cancer cells, the colorectal cancer cells that are really, they belong uh, sort of, well, the cancer cells don't belong anywhere, but the colon cells certainly do not belong in the liver. And when you get secondaries from a colon cancer, that's exactly what's happening. So it's a little bit, um, I heard someone say once, it's the genius of the body gone mad, which is not a bad explanation. Um, so Remuvab is used at the Halvang Clinic and uh, for many, many cancers, it's proving to be a very effective treatment. TACE, T-A-C-E, um, is delivered via the femoral artery and we've talked to Professor Vogel on the show before um, who is associated with the Halvang Hospital. He can deliver chemotherapies based on on the results of the genetic and molecular tests, he can deliver this chemotherapy directly into the liver. Now, this is actually very exciting stuff because he can deliver a concentration up to 100 times more than what could be achieved when chemotherapy is delivered systemically, that is through a regular injection. He also has the side effects minimised um, with the, that because he uses a whole lot of other preparations that will actually reduce any nasty side effects. In cooperation with the Halvan Clinic, the side effects are reduced even more. Um, viral treatments. Now, we know that viruses are involved in a lot of cancers and so it is in colorectal cancer. The RGCC test people can actually, from your blood, um, actually detect the uh, the viral cells. They can know whether the virus is in the plasma or, or indeed if it's in the cells. If it is, it becomes what we call an oncogenic virus. That's a, a growth-promoting, a cancer-promoting virus. So this can now be identified and with high-tech lab uh, methods and antisense can be made to the virus and then that can be infused um, back into your body and help to drop down the levels of the virus that may be implicated in um, sort of fanning the cancer, if you like, to go along. Hypothermia. I've interviewed Gizzy on the show before. She's the practitioner at Halvang who works specifically with hypothermia. And hypothermia is the heating up of the body, usually after the treatment with a Professor Vogel so that the cancer cells become very weak and the gateway of the cell opens more uh, easily. The chemotherapy can go in and there can be a more direct kill. So these are a, um, a number of very, very exciting approaches. Now, as I said, some of these are available around the world. TACE is available, but only for specific sized tumours, whereas Professor Vogel will treat any tumour anywhere in the body. If you're listening today and you've got colorectal cancer and you've got secondaries of it and you've been deemed inoperable, really consider actually consulting the Halvan Clinic and Professor Vogel because they can provide you with uh, a lot of options. We've had many patients be able to go back to their home country after these treatments and have a really clear surgical excision. So um, I think it's a really important contribution. If um, you are listening to the show, we go around the world. If you're listening from Australia, from the Gold Coast in Queensland or from northern New South Wales, 
on the um, the first Sunday in January, we have an Understanding German Cancer Treatments Seminar. So if you look online, if you go to germancancertreatments.com or gracegaulerinstitute.com, that's G-A-W-L-E-R, there you'll find information about this particular day. Uh, please do have a look uh, also at gracegaulermedia.com, which is constantly updated and adding information from Navigating the Cancer Maze. So we're coming to the end of today's show and uh, it's been great being with you. Thanks again to Cheryl for sharing her story and of course Christmas is next week. So I wish all your listeners a wonderful Christmas full of hope and wonderful things and may your health improve in 2014. We'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon, U.S. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone. 